now, our feature presentation. I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. 10 out of 10. Oh wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm Clint. That's my rating for the movie we're getting ready to discuss later today. Hey Jason, uh, where were you last recording? Did someone finally invite you somewhere? Uh, No, my wife had a bunch of chores for me to do and I did those and then she rewarded me well, so. You got an invitation. No, that's all just fantasy. <laughs> I, You know, that doesn't happen. I don't get invited anywhere. It's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you guys knocked it out of the park. I'm going to have to listen to that episode. I, I was I was confused. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't remember doing this episode. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I have no segue into the news from that. I got some good news for everybody. Uh, we're getting into that spooky time, which we've all talked about, or, you know, I've talked about probably more than others because I'm uber excited. So we have a lot of physical media releases coming out. It's going to be kind of scattered here, so I'm going to try and break it all down here. We've talked a lot about Rosemary's Baby, which I still have not seen, I don't think, ever. And I know people rave about it and how good it is. And I know the premise of the movie and all that. But October 10th, there's a new 4K release coming out for that. So if you're interested in that you know check it out friday the 13th is having another 4k steelbook release i think they've released this several times now with different 4ks i'm sure it's just repackaging of the same 4k disc each time but this time they teamed up with waxwork records i don't know how much they teamed up with them but they're using a limited edition slip cover of the waxwork art for the soundtrack which is pretty cool. No soundtrack included with it, but just new packaging on the Steelbook also. You know, a, a while back, Brian, a while back, Brian, you said something about, you asked us if we thought the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like the most re-released film. I think Friday the 13th might be. How many, you know, special edition 4K box set Steelbook rendition? Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Walmart is really getting into it. You know, we've talked before how Walmart really drives the physical media stuff. DVD releases are huge. They keep putting those out. They have a bunch of, uh, I was about to say limited edition, but I doubt it is for Walmart, but they have a bunch of Steelbook collections coming out this October, September, October, and November. So starting in September, we're going to get Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2 on Steelbook. Also, we're going to get the Leprechaun collection on Steelbook. They honestly look really cool. I've already ordered my Rob Zombie Halloween for the pre-order. Just, I probably won't open it. I have several copies of each. Also coming out in September, we're getting another Firefly trilogy. So the whole Rob Zombie, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. What? What's the other one? Three from Hell. Three from Hell. Thank you. The Blair Witch Project and the Saw Collection are all coming to Steelbooks through Walmart, which look really cool. In November, they have more Steelbooks coming. Color Out of Space, which I've never seen because after watching Mandy, I didn't want to watch another Nicolas Cage weird-ass looking movie um, psycho gorman which is you know a show favorite it's getting a steelbook release from walmart werewolves within bone tomahawk and the man who killed hitler and then bigfoot i love all those 
those are all coming out in November. All right, I saved the best for last for everybody. Well, no, okay, no, Halloween. Nope, nope, nope. I changed. I changed up here. This isn't the best. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, limited edition steelbook through Walmart is coming out. It says it's Scream Factory release. So I guess they're just taking the Scream Factory release, packaging it in a steelbook and releasing it through Walmart. I forgot to look at the time. I think it's in October. Oh, yeah. Coming in October. It doesn't say it have an exact date. Okay. Best for last. It is the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist coming out this year. So Warner Brothers, you know, celebrate in their 100th anniversary exorcist its 50th anniversary they have a huge collection coming out 50th anniversary collector's edition 4k blu-ray steelbook via warner brothers theatrical and director's cut in 4k rigid slipcase uh steelbook with matte finish double-sided poster reproduction uh lobby cards a 40-page booklet behind the scenes art cards iconic art scenes just to name a few. It's going to be a nice package. It's supposed to go for sale right about the time as we're recording this, about the July 23rd, 24th. If you're listening to this, go check it out. That's going to be a big release. I'm super excited for it. I already sent it to my wife and kind of asked for permission, but I'm going to order it anyway. So <laughs> so that's my 10-minute news segment. Well, no, it's chock full of a lot of good stuff. Speaking of The Exorcist, Jason went and saw Oppenheimer, Offenheimer, however you say last night and apparently the trailer for the exorcist you said was was on that it was it and it was kind of a surprise i looked it up afterwards and i saw that there was rumors that it could be out but i didn't know this so going into it and watching this and i the trailer started and i'm like huh I'm like, this is, oh, this is interesting. It's like a kidnapping movie. It, that's how it they set it up to be. And then a couple more seconds into it, I'm like, oh, I'm like, maybe it was an alien abduction. And then the tubular bell slowly starts playing. And you see some of the girls like in their makeup and then it kind of triggered like I was like, oh, my God, I realized what I was watching. So that was super exciting. I I wish somebody would have been recording my face because I had no idea it was coming. So I know a lot of people have been sharing that uh, The Exorcist, The Believer, the Facebook page is live. They released what the posters were look like. So, I mean, we're moving into it. It comes out October 13th. So less than three months from now. So I guess it's time for all that stuff. Well, and somebody leaked the trailer, so I know we've been kind of discussing the current SAG after strike. So maybe this is kind of cheating, but if you want to support the SAG after strike and not go to the theater, although I I'm never against supporting not going to the theater, but you know what I'm saying. You can see if you can find it a leaked trailer of The Exorcist. I saw it last night, and it looked fucking amazing. I'm confused on what to do with all that with the SAG after. You know, I I want to support them, but then ticket sales still support the actors. I know it supports the studio, but I'm sure actors have, you know, some sometimes get residuals. And I guess that's the argument is not enough at times. Are we going to hurt the actors more by not seeing it? Because then we're supporting the studio. But then should we not see it? So to a degree, but I mean, they they knew that signing up, you know, w- when they go on strike, they know that they are putting themselves in a bad spot to, you know, progress their what they're fighting for. So, you know, I, I don't think uh, Colin Murphy is going to be mad at people who don't go see it because he is on the picket line and he understands. 
it's unfortunate though if the strike is still going on we will not get interviews or a premiere with all the actors so we will lose out on all that promotion but i mean for all the horror buffs i'm sure everybody's going to want to go see it with david gordon green coming back and doing it you know he kind of you know left some bad taste in people's mouths with the whole halloween thing some people some people liked it some people it will grow on but it's still the exorcist i'm excited to see what he does with it and from the trailer <laughs> it looks amazing yeah it does hey uh, something else you you brought up um shout factory or scream factory uh which one were they releasing i forgot it was the uh poo blood and honey i just saw a couple weeks ago I, when you were talking about it, i was trying to find the i screenshot it but apparently uh they're they've rebranded their name they're now um i think it's shout studios or something like that have you guys seen this it's it's always been that though it's always been shout factory or shout studios unless it's something different but then the horror stuff is scream factory it's all the same company no there's shout factory there's shout factory and scream factory but they've they've rebranded and now they're going to be and i'm pretty sure that it's shout studios i think is what it was called but they're kind of rebranding to um incorporate everything they do so there's something interesting going on over there i wish i could find it so i could tell you i'm gonna have to look through and, and send you the article but stuff is brewing over there too changes everywhere man i'm excited for a uh, bone tomahawk which i already own like four copies of but that's all right <laughs> but uh the man that killed bigfoot and hitler with sam elliott i love that movie what was one of the other ones that you said that i was like oh that's interesting Color Out of Space, The Werewolf Within. I've wanted to see that Werewolf Within. It was okay. But gives me a reason to go back to Walmart. I mean, I haven't been to Walmart in like six months just because they're remodeling our store. And it's, yeah, and I'm just like, I'm not going to go deal with that. And our store is not very good about getting stuff in like movies or soundtracks or anything. So I'll go to Burlington when I'm over there and I'll hit that store up. With uh, your guys talk about the strike, it's crazy how, and Clint and I talked about this, much it affects people. I had a patient in the office the other day. I work at a doctor's office and uh, she works at the movie theater. And she was we were talking about movies and the strike and she's like yeah we're all scared and I was like scared of what and she's like if this doesn't get resolved there's no movies for next year and she's like we're not sure if the theater will close down if they'll show like independence if they'll show old stuff but either way without new stuff it's not as busy and there's not a need for as many people working I was like god I never thought about that and how long it would last you know like it could be affecting movies coming out next year the ripple effects are insane yeah i would think the longer it goes the more in trouble they would be because i'm mm -hmm. sure they have a lot of movies ready to go now like in post-production that they that they can still work on that those will come out but then after that could be trouble it's a good time if you're an independent maybe not a good time but it's maybe a chance to get more movies that are independent like terrifier scene those don't bring in huge crowds probably you know and what are the odds that those movies get through i mean it's it's one in a million probably that those movies get seen the july 19th uh, episode of spill the guts that whole episode i dedicated to just news on the strike and towards the end of that newscast there was an article that i read from where they were interviewing i forget the guy's name but he was the former executive um head of fox and i want to say paramount but he was like look he was like as far as the strike goes he said the top executives and the top paid actors top tier actors they all need to drop their earnings 25 percent, and this strike needs to be resolved by august he said if this thing goes on to say december he said 
Hollywood as a whole is going to collapse. He said, because if this goes on to December, by the time you recover from that length of time off, there's, you know, streaming subscriptions are going to be pulled. Theaters, like you're saying, Brian, are going to be going out of business. People aren't going to be doing anything. So by the time you, um, if you wait that longer or longer, by the time you get it resolved, there's not going to be any revenue to bring everything back up to par. It's just not going to be there. So yeah, time is of the essence with this whole thing. It kind of segue good into another story that I had. I had a different um, news story picked out, but it was the last episode of season five of The Last Drive-In this week with Joe Bob Briggs a couple weeks after this or before this episode airs. And he went online and was like, you know, thanks for your support. A lot of people were like, is that him saying goodbye? You know, is that him leaving Shutter or, you know, kind of signing off? And it started a lot of speculation um, because AMC Plus is, from the sounds of it, going to take Shutter and it's going to be part of AMC Plus. And a group I'm in with a lot of other friends that are Joe Bob fans, they're like, without him, Shutter's off of our streaming. And I feel like that's how a lot of people are getting their starting to pick and choose their streaming services. So yeah, if one service does really well about getting independence and getting new content out and all these others aren't, I think some of the smaller ones will possibly go away, especially if they're paid. You got a Tubi or a Crackle or a Redbox app that are free or Pluto and is putting out new stuff. I've seen that um, Tubi just put something out, Deadly Dilf or something like that, a new um, movie that they put out and I was like what I stopped on it just because I was like did that really say deadly dilf and I read the synopsis I have a cameo in that. Do you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I read the synopsis, and it sounds something more like Tiffany would like than I would, I would like. You know, if Tubi's able to jump on a independent train and start putting out maybe some independent movies that they funded, they may be a way ahead of everybody else. So when you said that, when you said people that you've talked to said, if Joe Bob goes, they're getting rid of Shudder. And my first reaction as you're talking, I'm like, I get being loyal to Joe Bob. But I was like, why? Because Shudder has a lot of great stuff. But then before you even said it, I was like, oh, yeah, but you can go watch all that shit for free. So I totally get it. I saw that video and he ended it with a whole it was very he kind of like looked in the camera and you could see the emotion in his eyes. And he was just like, you know, something like remember the drive and never dies. And I was just like, oh, I saw that, too. I don't I don't really watch Joe Bob, but I caught that. I'm like, oh, something's going on. And Darcy had posted something that was like, there's big changes coming to the set. One of the funny things was, I was like, ah, damn it. If, you know, the last drive-in goes away, but Joe Bob goes somewhere else, I gotta buy a bunch of new shit. And uh, <laughs> my friend, our friend Brian Clark was like, you're gonna fucking buy it anyway. Why does it matter? As I buy a $50 record that they just put out, shipped to Shore Media, pre-ordered their record. You mentioned AMC though, and I love AMC Fear Fest every month or every October. I wish it was every month, but yeah, it's it's all bleeding together. You know, it's all this big snowball of stuff that it'll be interesting to see where it ends up. I love AMC Fear Fest also. I haven't watched it in forever just because I cut cable forever ago. Same thing as you have. So AMC, the cool thing in my opinion about AMC Fear Fest is you can just turn the TV on at a random, whatever random hour of the day, you know, Halloween 5 is on or The Fog or The Fly or whatever. You have no idea what you're going to watch. And it's like, oh, cool. I haven't seen this in a while. Same thing with Pluto TV. You can do that. Pluto's free, right? You can do that for free right now because they're basically set up like old school cable where you just go to the horror channel there and see what's playing. So what do you got for news, Clint? 
point. This is, man, you guys were all, where Brian took it all deep and serious there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm going back to Funland. And a couple episodes ago, last episode that Jason was on, I think it's when we did Demoniacs. Jason, you had talked about Ghoulies getting a 4K release. I saw this somewhere else, but then I saw it on bloodydisgusting.com also. And that is Ghoulies action figures are coming soon from Syndicate Collectibles. As of this recording, the final day of San Diego Comic-Con is wrapping up and these toys were released there. The 1984 cult classic Ghoulies is once again emerging from the toilet with a brand new 4K release like Jason had talked about before. New company Syndicate Collectibles is on hand at San Diego Comic-Con and they're showing off a wave of four upcoming action figures figures based on the original Ghoulies. Let's see, this company is from Jerry, yeah, I'm going to screw his last name, Macaluso, sorry, buddy, formerly of Soda Toys and Pop Culture Shot Collectibles, and they're tackling licenses that have been in dire need of collectibles and um, revisiting some old favorites. So what's really cool about these four Ghoulies action figures is they're not resin. They they look um like a rubber or whatever, kind of like old school muscle men, but they're like, you know, eight inch, eight inch, nine inch figure. And they look absolutely amazing. Yeah, I saw that picture and they, they look great. I can't wait for these to come out. It doesn't really say when a release date is, though, does it? Just upcoming. Nope, just they, they revealed them at um, Comic-Con, and I don't see release date. I don't see anything about pricing. Um, I have not gone over to Syndicate Collectibles to see if there's any news there. I should, but I know that I'm going to be spending money on them when they come out. <laughs> I was going to talk about this in a second, but Trick or Treat Studios just released the pre-order for um, the Motel Hell Farmer Fritter with the pig mask on and the, the chainsaw. That's an eight-inch action, action figure. I'm buying that regardless just because there are no other figures from that movie of that character. And same thing here with Ghoulies. These people are going to be getting my money because they're releasing. I mean, how many, sorry, Jason, but how many Michael Myers action figures do you need? More. Rendition after rendition after rendition. More, yeah. More. <laughs> Uh, but what's exciting is they're they're coming out with you know stuff that we've never seen before. They're going to be getting my money. They're going to be making me poor because I'm poor. Are you guys poor? I'm going to be poor in the future. So, you know, Clint's going to get his bell ready, but, you know, it's spooky season again. So I have been buying that type of stuff. So Home Depot, of course, is coming out with all their, you know, cool outside (laughs) prop and outside decorations that look amazing. And they're going to great scales with them. So Clint and I both got our 12 foot skeletons last year. Ding, ding. Uh, this year, <laughs> this year they came out with um, what really got me as I watched a bunch of the releases. They had a lot of cool looking stuff. I picked up the eight foot skull stack. So last year they came out with like an eight foot pumpkin stack, jack-o'-lantern stack. But I saw the skull stack and I'm like, man, that's going to look badass with the 12 foot skeleton both being in the yard. So I pre-ordered that and I did that weeks ago, right when they went for sale. I woke up. So I woke up early in the 
the morning, 5 a.m., get ready for work. And I looked online at Home Depot and it was like, I looked at the skull stack and there was like 700 of them. I'm like, oh, cool. They got plenty, you know, so I'll just wait until my wife gets up oh, just to make sure. That shit, that shit goes in a blink of an eye. So I was going to wait until my wife woke up just to make sure like, hey, we talked about this because, you know, like we are trying to save money and I didn't want to just go drop 200 bucks on something for a decoration. So I got on there and there was like 700 of them. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I hurried up, took my shower, jumped out, grabbed my phone, just looked again. And there was like 102 left. I'm like, ah, so I panicked and I placed my order super quick. And unfortunately, I had to do ship to store because a lot of people that were doing it ship to home were getting them literally the next day. They were getting them like overnight ship, but it was an extra 50 bucks for that. And I was like, no, I'll do ship to store. And it's still not there. It says it'll be there by August 3rd. But it's been two weeks. I would have thought it would have been to the store by now, but it's not. I did get that. So I'm waiting to have it. And I need to measure my ceilings in my basement here because it's going to live down here (laughs) in the off season. That thing's going to be cool as shit. I'm excited for that. The skull stacks are cool. The the pumpkin stacks pretty damn cool, too. It is. It is. And I wanted that last year. But with buying the skeleton, um, I couldn't justify another big purchase. The skull stack was this year. They had the the pumpkin stack, too. And I've seen people online taking and mixing them up. They'll do like a pumpkin, a skull, a pumpkin, a skull. And you can have them all separate if you want. You could take them apart and just set them around your yard. Like they have to be within distance though of the cords. You can separate them also, which looks really cool. The day you ordered those, that must have been Jason. He sent me a message. He's like, are you getting anything from Home Depot this year? And I was like, dude, I was like, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on strike, man. I'm not spending any money. He goes, oh shit, that's right. He goes, are you still going to flashback? I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't miss that for the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just making sure. Yeah, I know, because super excited for that. And then also, lastly, I picked up several, the Lee Max Spooky Town. I don't know if you guys get into that, but like the little spooky houses, the village that they have. I've gotten into those over the last few years. I like looking at them, but I don't, I don't own any. So I picked up two new ones this year. The wife and I went to Michael's and they had like a little cabin that lights up. It was real little, but it kind of reminded me of like the Evil Dead cabin, but it was made out of bones. Like the siding was bones. The the pillar of the porch was bones. My spooky village up now, but my wife kept yelling that it's July and I couldn't do anything yet. So you didn't hear what the what the special counsel of spooky bitches declared. Oh, <laughs> what's that? I would just like to announce that it is Halloween now. Uh, this may come as a surprise to some of you, given that it is July, but the Council of Spooky Bitches met this weekend, and we have decided that this is Halloween. This is Halloween. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got. It's been proclaimed, right? So, I mean, a whole council of spooky bitches said this is it. So, Tanya can't overrule the council. I mean, I don't think she has no. that power, does she? She does not. And if you watch the video there, the spooky bitches are actually like dice in costumes. So, I mean, roll the dice, take your chances, put it up. Put it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what'd you guys get? Well, I got television shipment yesterday. I didn't get no stack of eight foot skulls or anything creepy like that, but I did get some movies. We got some guy who kills people. I don't know. He looks like he works at a burger joint. Captives, a study and psychological terror with a twist of irony. That's what it says on the back. Are these all your subscription ones? Yeah, from TerraVision. And Cannibal Camp Out. It's time to eat. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Justin Bean post something about that, and or you did too, Brian, a couple weeks back. And so it's on it's on Tubi for free also. So I brought it up and it's made by the same people who made Woodchipper Massacre, which I love that movie. 
I could not get into Cannibal Camp Out. I tried. I didn't finish it. Captives and I think Cannibal Camp Out are camp motion pictures. So maybe we'll get Wood Chipper Massacre here eventually. Oh, Captives is by the same people? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll check that out too. Then. Have you seen any of those, Jason? Probably not. No, no. What's What's fun about those is they're all from like the mid '80s, like '85, '86, '87, maybe, and um, they're all shot on home video cameras. They're actually done well, given what they're working with. Like, I can only imagine if these filmmakers actually had a budget and actually had some decent equipment, what they could have made. So, it's watch with Chipper Massacre. It's fun. I get they're not for everybody i totally get that like i probably will never get tiffany to watch any of them being born in 1978 and growing up in that 80s you know where everybody got a vhs video camera and started making movies we've talked about you know our early dives into horror and truth or dare critical consequence by tim ritter is one of my early kind of like the kid getting hit by the bike in the trauma movies for you clint it's one of my early like what the fuck did i just watch like <laughs> This guy just peeled his face off and made a mask out of like metal, tin metal. Where can I watch more of this? See, the great thing about about the trauma film, though, is I saw that and I didn't go, what the fuck did I just watch? Because I rewound it and watched it again and rewound it and watched it again and rewound it and watched it again. The one thing I do have uh, a hard time with with Witcher Massacre and the um, the camp out one, because it's made by the same people. They have that constant score where they don't need it. So there's this like really bad music throughout the whole entire thing. And so I'm sitting there watching with Chipper Massacre. The, the oldest comes out, but it looks like, what the hell am I listening? What are you watching? You know, turn it down. It's terrible. Probably played through a boom box. <laughs> right. Yeah, right? Yeah. I got over to snake alley film fest, uh, here what last weekend and saw a lot of cool independent horror movies and it got me thinking i was like man i would like to make something i'm not creative at all but that'd be kind of fun just taking my own video camera and just putting something together i know clint's dabbled in it and it, it looks fun friends at brett and tony with ash and abe actually won an award for best made burlington movie so i was like oh that's cool congratulations you guys been putting in the work and putting stuff out so that's interesting did they screen something different the last thing i saw they put out was when we were all at halloween palooza last October and it was the killer robot movie or something like that that they the same film or no umbrella so what'd you get Clint did you spend any money I did not but I did forget to mention something on the last episode I had purchased it's still not here but it's another reason why I'm poor couldn't pass this one up and that is Jada Toys who are currently like I say um, as of this recording is the last day of San Diego Comic Con they're currently at San Diego Comic Con and they released their third action figure in their General Mills monster cereal line and it's Booberry and I so I've got Count Chocula, I've got Frankenberry, and I've been bitching forever. Like, I need Booberry to complete this, but they just didn't make it. And there's um, an independent toy maker. I, I can't remember if it's Kingdom of the Spiders or Kingdom of Spiders. Shit, there's one of those independent one-person resin toy makers that makes some cool stuff that makes a Booberry, but it's more adultish. So anyway, Jaded Toys released. You can go to their website right now and purchase it if you want. It's only like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. It's not a whole lot. It comes in this like open-up cereal box, Booberry 
Charlie's there. He's got the cereal box. He glows in the dark. Really cool. Can't wait to add him next to Chocula and Frankenberry on the wall. That's the only thing that, and again, I forgot to mention that last episode, so I spent some money on it a while ago. So by the time you hear this episode, Motor City Nightmares already happened. I hope I do well there. And hopefully people hear this and come shop at the Ink Mayor's table and buy all your cool stuff. That'd be cool because I could use the money. Plus, I was going to say, I hope I do well at Flashback also because there's things like the Motel Hell trick-or-treat action figure I'm going to get. I'm just waiting. You know, are those Return of the Living Dead action figures from Super 7 that I had in my cart? And I'm like, no, nah, I'll wait. I know we're talking 40 bucks here, 20 bucks there, 30 bucks here, but I mean, shit adds up quick. You guys know that. That's about it. That's about it. You know, on top of doing well at these conventions so I can buy some of these things, maybe we could get a sponsor for the episode. Inkmares.com rolls into Rosemont, Illinois, August 4th through the 6th for the Flashback Week in Chicago Horicon at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare Hotel, located at 9300 West Bryan Mauer Avenue. Flashback is headlined by a Screamcast reunion, Christine reunion, Halloween 2 reunion, and more. The Horicon circuit is going strong, and although every convention is a great time, a select few are truly special yearly gatherings, and this is one of them. So make sure to swing through Flashback Weekend and stop by the inkmirrors.com table for t-shirts, collectibles, and a chance to chat with the spooky boys of the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. So now that we've heard from our sponsor, it's time for the movie. So on this episode, Flashback Edition. We are covering the 2007 zombie, kind of zombie, gore fest, double feature grindhouse movie with a bunch of army people, Planet Terror. What'd you guys think? All right, so first off, we're not covering both of them. He's a double feature. We're not doing Death Proof also. This isn't going to be a seven and a half hour episode. Oh, come on. This comes out right before flashback. We were discussing wanting to cover a movie somehow associated with the actors or actresses who were going to be there. And didn't we decide because Rose McGowan is going to be a flashback, but we didn't want to cover Scream because they're having like a Scream reunion. And um, Jason, I think you were the one that was like, let's do Planet Terror. I was like, Mm -hmm. fuck yes. I love that movie. I mean, the movie starts out with our the movie starts out with our music for the news. I mean, what's not to love? It actually starts out with the trailer for Machete. Is that how your guys have started? It did. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot all about that. I knew there were fake trailers with those, but I forgot all about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And Boots watches with me. So I was explaining to her this actually turned into a movie. You know, something I forgot, too, when I was doing some um, research on this for this show was when this hit the theaters, it was Grindhouse, double feature. It was Planet Terror and it was death proof and of course they had the fake trailers in between i forgot a lot of people when planet terror ended got up and left the theater because they thought that was the end oh no so they started putting disclaimers like you know like stick around after this movie there's another one you know 
Well, and eventually they split them up, and of course you can buy them split on everywhere. I mean, Blu-ray and DVD now. We had talked, you said there's a loose connection between the two movies, but I've seen both, and I'm not smart enough to make the connection. I'm just like, yeah, hey, one's about a car that kills people, or a guy that kills people in a car, and one's zombie. Like, that was one of the things we talked about last night. I was like, are they zombies? Not zombies? I mean, what really biological uh, creatures of some sort? The connection isn't really with the stories, but they both take place in the same universe, the same, they're both in Texas and around the same towns, I guess. Kind of jumping ahead, but um, there's a, a quick blurb when Fergie is driving in her car. If you haven't seen this movie, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, Clint? And it says the radio DJ comes across the radio and says something about, and this dedication goes out to the late Jungle Julia, who was a character in Death Proof. So technically, Death Proof happened before Planet Terror, which makes sense because, spoiler alert, we just started talking about it, but Planet Terror ends in a post-apocalyptic, you know, whatever setting. But it's interesting because Planet Terror plays before Death Proof as it was originally presented. So so even then, like if you went to the movies and seen it, you wouldn't get the reference because it was before the other movie, right? Unless you heard it. Yeah, unless you heard it. And Yeah, I remember now that you say that, I'm like, oh, that sounds a familiar name. Where did that name come from? And then, yeah, it's from the Death Proof movie. Jungle Julia. <laughs> I said to Tiffany, I was like, have you seen Machete? And she's like, yeah, I seen it in Spanish. And I was like, does it matter? Like, is it a different movie <laughs> if it's in Spanish? She's like, no, I, I watched it with, she used to work at a, a Mexican restaurant. She was like one of the managers and they watched it with a group of um, her and the, a group of the workers. And I was like, I don't think that matters what language it's in. It's still the same. She would, she never answered me. She went back to looking at her phone. She watched this movie. She watched Machete. I was about to say that that would even make it fun, like funner with them dubbing over it in the Mexican. Like in Spanish. Coming through with the whole grindhouse effect. (laughs) (laughs) What's great about Robert Rodriguez as a writer and a filmmaker is he is such a great storyteller and visual storyteller that if you didn't understand the language, I think you would still be entertained by just about anything he puts out. Like I say, his dialogue is fantastic. It's almost like Tarantino, but polished and not as like overly, you know, extremely long. You benefit from being able to hear the dialogue, but if you couldn't, you're still going to enjoy it. Yeah, and I put the movie on about time for Finley to go to bed and Rose McGowan's dancing on the stage and Finley's like, hey, mom, mom, that's that lady from your witch show. You know, that show you watch with the witches. And Tiffany's like, yeah, that's her. And she's like, charmed. That show charmed, mom. She's like, yes, I'm aware. (laughs) (laughs) Because Tiffany was going through all charmed to watching all the episodes for the summer. I was like, God, you guys need to go in the other room or something. I'm trying to watch this movie. Did you guys catch the uh, foreshadowing early on with Rose McGowan? As Cherry, the movie starts out, she's dancing on stage, great intro scene and everything, title sequences and everything, and she's backstage, she decides to quit. I never caught this till this watch, I watched it last night, I've seen this movie multiple times. There's a close-up of her putting her leg up, and she like pulls, puts her boot on and zips it up, and it says, what was the line, it says, I need a dramatic change in my life. And it was like, oh my god, how many times I've seen this movie, (laughs) the foreshadowing right there about hit you right in the fucking face, you know, because of course, if you haven't seen this movie, we'll get into it but she later on loses her leg and it is replaced with a oh, an automatic rifle slash grenade launcher so and that's what my wife knew the movie as i was i told her we're watching planet terror and we're, i'm gonna start to watch it she's like oh is that the one with the lady with the gun for a leg i'm like yep that's it so then she asked me too she was like so what type of movie is it i'm like well 
So it's a grindhouse movie, so it's going to be shot on the old film, and it's um, with zombies. And I'm like, well, they're not really zombies. It's like a chemical thing, but they are kind of zombies, but they get deformed. And I, I was like really confused on what to explain it as. It was just like an... Ooh. I have an explanation. You ready? I was going to talk about this later, but this is a hyper stylized, big budget blockbuster B movie. How's that? Fits it very well. Yeah. Well, and they use some of those old B movie um, grindhouse tricks in it. If you notice, um, it's Bruce Willis that's in it, is the commander of the military, this military group that's trying to get the chemical. He's not in any of the cuts with the main actors or actresses. Did you notice that? Yeah. So that's like an old grindhouse thing. They'd get a really popular celebrity. They'd bring them in. They'd shoot all their stuff in one day and then send them out so that they could have that person right front and center on their poster and bring people in to see the movie. But, you know, they're not with anybody else that's in the movie. And in reality, they had very little to do or very limited screen time. But it's like, oh, my God, I got to go see the next Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, that was great how they did that yeah he was in very few scenes like when we first get a look at him not even a look at him but he's sitting in the truck and the guy's like i'll go take care of this boss and you don't see it's just a shadowy figure and then at the end it might not have been bruce willis all dressed up like that speaking of that scene at the beginning where the the military unit they meet at the military base and they're going to get the chemical and you meet abby the kind of savvy biochemical engineer slash arms dealer or whatever you find out this movie has balls Literally, it has balls because Abby collects balls of people he doesn't like and carries them around in this jar. When the chaos breaks out because they, the military unit finds out that Abby's holding out on him, he doesn't have or he has more gas that he's not telling him about. He shoots the tanks. He says it's everywhere. Everybody starts shooting everybody. The ball canister breaks open. And I swear it looked like at one scene he's trying to scoop up the balls. I don't know why he likes to collect testicles. It's really weird. But I think one got stuck in his mouth, it looked like. I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> nasty. This nasty. They're all slimy. Now I know what balls look like detached, huh? I wonder, do they really know that? Or do they just, do they just like, sort of look like? Your job for this movie is to research what balls look like detached from the human body and formaldehyde. I'm sure you could find pictures. I mean, well, they had greats working on it. You know, Tom Savini acted and I'm sure he did some of this work with it. Greg Nicotero's name was right up there. Yeah. And this was Nicotero before we really knew Nicotero. Nicotero has been around a super long time, but, you know, he really came into his own or became well known with the whole Walking Dead. But he's been around a long time. Nicotero has been involved in just about every modern horror movie that you can think of. But yeah, I think it was right around this time is when he he kind of branched out on his own. I mean, is it K&B Studios, which is his effects studio? Yeah, this I mean, they had already been established. But I mean, this really seemed to kind of when he the spotlight seemed to transition on, on him and he was out on his own. That's a big regret of mine. KNB put out a book, Dark Delicacies did a signing with, or all these makeup effects artists, and they all came in and signed it, and I did not pre-order one, and I'm super kicking myself. But that's nothing to do with the movie, just something with Nicotero and Howard Berger. And- well, you know, someone else who definitely came in at this point, they were very well established on their own as a big-time player, is Robert Rodriguez, the writer and director of this film. By the time this came out, he had already brought us so much badassery. Where the fuck is Robert Rodriguez you don't hear from him anymore I it's he just went away I don't know what's up with that and he's still relatively young he's only in his 50s 
but I mean, he came out strong with, you know, from dusk till dawn. That's what he was first really known for. I mean, he did some stuff before that, but his works with Tarantino. He did Spy Kids and stuff. He was kind of Tarantino's protege to a degree. But yeah, you got Dust Till Dawn, Desperado, Machete, this, all kinds of shit. And then it just stopped. It was all awesome. Well, and then putting those names together, Robert Rodriguez, uh, Quentin Tarantino probably got all the actors that it did in it. Uh, James Brolin. I mean, he's a big name, but maybe back then he really wasn't, but he kind of was. I mean, from Goonies, yeah, you know, and then all the Sicario and, of course, Thanos, but that's, you know, later on. And Very loaded cast. You just, not very many people that you look at and you're like, oh, where are they from? Where have they been? What have they done? Yeah, it's just loaded. Even a lot of the secondary characters. I mean, Tom Savini's in it and Quentin Tarantino's in it and... Jeff Leahy. Yeah, there's not there's not many that you're like, eh. When you look at the budget of the movie, what it was, $23 million budget, you're like, how did they do it so cheap? I was like, with all these names and the effects and the film, how did they make it for $23 million? Like, you see movies and you're like, what? That cost $110 million? And then you're like, this was only twenty three. I bet film is like expensive as shit, but if they use like this old, I don't know how they really shot it. Did they really shoot it on Grindhouse or do they just add that effect in post-production? I think a lot of that stuff was in post-production. There was there was a lot of practical effects in this film, but there was a lot of CGI too. But what was great was it was, I, I'm not a big fan of CGI, but this was a great meld of the two and almost seamless. I mean, at its core, I mean, this thing is a splatter flick at heart. And, you know, the first gross out scene is when you get to the hospital as things are starting, the story's starting to unvolve, evolve, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, with the guy that got bit, the first guy that got bit. And then on the screen, they got the the other doctors in there showing us all these damn different venereal diseases. And I'm just throwing up in my mouth. I'm paying more attention to the screen than I am what's going on, uh, the doctor and the guy that got bit. I'm like looking Fuck at all that. this stuff. And I was I'm paying like, more attention to the inside of my palm over my eyes. Like, <laughs> well, and then Josh Brolin, he's the doctor in it and he gets sprayed in the face with shit and he doesn't like react like I would. <laughs> I would freak out and like <laughs> dip my face in hot ass water. Yeah, when he squeezes his tongue. The guy's like, look at these guys. They came back from Desert Storm with their junk all deformed. And he's like, I don't have that. I don't think I've never been to Desert Storm. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys are both in healthcare. One of one of the scenes. This is listed as a horror comedy, which again, I don't think it's a comedy. I think it had some some levity and some comedy, some comedic lines, but I don't think it's comedy. Anyway, shortly after the scene, we're talking about when shit really you know breaks down at the hospital and everybody's getting infected and everything. Brolin and the other doctor are sitting there talking, and they were, he was like, "Look at this." He was like, "It's just bacteria, this and you know gangrene, that and rotted flesh, this. What should we do?" And he was like, "Self preservation comes to mind." He's like, "That's right. Let's get the fuck out of here." What would you you guys do as healthcare workers would you guys bail or would you guys like no we're gonna stay here and help everybody well, i think i'd get a phone call from uh, my family that there was an emergency uh-huh <laughs> yeah i think it's time to go i know we've talked about that like working in a hospital or something if something really bad happens like all right guys i gotta go <laughs> like i'm not i'm not here for this i guess we kind of experienced it with you know when COVID happened how you know hospitals were it was something else to be in a hospital during COVID. luckily i was just a monitor tech and i was in a room watching vital signs all day long so i didn't have any interaction with people so i lucked out but just the stuff everybody had to 
to go through just to protect themselves. They stuck with it, but nursing did suffer during COVID. There was a lot of people that quit and didn't want to do it. And I could imagine this being worse. People are starting to come in with pussy wounds dripping all over the place. Yeah, I'd be out. I'd be like, yeah, no, no, I'm good. They don't pay me enough. Oh. Have you guys heard about the uh, the anesthesia story? So in this film, um, Dakota, whatever, she plays Brolin's wife. She works at the hospital also. You kind of find out that her and Fergie were having a uh, relationship together. And she comes in with the first guy that got bit. They're going to amputate his arm before the infection spreads even more. She brings out her three needles. These are my three little friends. This one's going to make it so it numbs the pain. And this one makes And then the third one, and now you'll never see me again. I saw an interview one at one point where I think it was her. I can't remember if it was Rodriguez who wrote that in, but I think I thought it was her, the actress, who that was an actual thing that some anesthesiologists that, that, that they knew did. That's what they said to people. They went in and in real life and said, and now you'll never see me again and gave them that third shot. When she pulled that last needle out, I was like, that is a fucking huge ass needle. I was like, you would not be giving anybody a shot with that. That's like to draw up medication. <laughs> That's crazy, the shit they can do with meds. There's literally meds they injected in you and you're out. I'm not going to come stay at your house in September anymore. I'm not smart enough for any of that, you know. Timeline stuff. So we, we talked about kind of how Death Proof and this movie kind of inter, intertwine. This movie also intertwines with Dust Till Dawn because Earl, the Sheriff Earl, is there. Of course, if you've seen Dust Till Dawn, Earl is shot by the Gecko Brothers in the very beginning of Dust Till Dawn. And I'm like, okay, so this must have happened before Dusk Till Dawn, if Earl's still alive. But then what I don't understand is, of course, this movie winds up ending in a post-apocalyptic setting where the dead or infected have turned, you know, overrun the world for the most part besides survivors. So I'm like, where does Dusk Till Dawn fit into this? For the first time ever, I noticed we haven't brought up the El Rey character yet. El Rey is this kind of mysterious tow truck driver guy who's Cherry Darling's, you know, Rose McGowan's ex-boyfriend. They've got a neat little subplot going on, too. The sheriff of the town doesn't like El Rey. They're sitting in the police station. And if you look on the computer screen behind the sheriff, you see a wanted poster for Richard Gecko. I think it was Richard, who the George Clooney character from Dust Till Dawn, like wanted, fugitive. So I'm like, okay, this somehow ties in with Dust Till Dawn also. I wonder how, like, in Dust Till Dawn, does the sheriff die? Like, do we know he's... In the very beginning, Earl gets killed. Yeah, I don't know. You remember that? They come up and, and Tarantino shoots him in the back of the head. Wasn't that at the gas station? At the gas station. I don't know if everything has to go together. I mean, them being Rodriguez and Tarantino things, they, they could incorporate people and just kind of make you question if they go together. You know, they don't all have to fit together perfectly. I mean, it's kind of movies. No, I have to make sense. It has to make sense. It has to. <laughs> or it's just unruly anarchy chaos. This is what I think. I think I think it was Death Proof, and then it was Planet Terror, and then between Planet Terror and the end of Planet Terror, Dust Till Dawn happened. That's what I think. <laughs> if you watch the movie, though, they kind of go, you see that not everything has to go together. Like, if you see the scene where Ray and Cherry are about to get it on and then it starts getting real messed up and then it says missing, you know, footage missing or whatever, you know, please 
please be patient or something. And then it, when it comes back out of it, there's a whole world of shit going on. And we don't know why. We don't know what happened. We don't. It wasn't shown. Like they were they were getting it on. And then the cop had been shot and raised trying to help him. And so we don't we don't know. We don't have to know. Oh, Mr. Mainstream, we have such to teach you. That was <laughs> that was a throwback to when old Grindhouse films circulated, you know, at you know, 42nd Street theaters and stuff. They got shipped around so much that a, a reel would go damaged or get damaged or go missing. And so, yeah, the, the theater management would throw that up. So, yeah, you would you would lose a chunk of the movie and there was just nothing you could do about it. There was at one point that story. You're wanting to make sense out of it, Clint. But you also have to realize that Jason's favorite horror movie series is Halloween. It would be like Friday the 13th making sense, like this story here and this one here. And then, you know, there's 14 offshoots of Michael Myers did this and the Colt and this guy. You know what I mean? Like as long as long as you center the Halloween universe around part six, everything makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> if part six is your nucleus, then all of the offshoots make sense, whichever way you go, except Buster Rhymes. <laughs> well, and then with, I think it's the whole Robert Rodriguez thing where not everything is going to be tied together. It's tied together loosely because if you look at the, main, the one of the main characters, his name is El Ray. Uh, Robert Rodriguez started his own network called El Ray. I'm sure it means something in Mexican. The Ray, whatever that means. I don't know. I'm, it means the king. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm just a stupid gringo. Whatever. I mean, wait, that's not that's not bad to say. I'm not going to get canceled, am I? <laughs> like, you know, I don't want this to be my last show or something. So. <laughs> I want to play uh, off that. It's so fucking bad. I don't know what to do right now. Just just let it go. That Nobody needs to know why things happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's right wow this is like real this is playing out in real life <laughs> i used to love to watch the l the l ray network oh that makes sense because it's a crown it's like the symbol's a crown <laughs> i also read somewhere that he liked to um incorporate l ray as a nod to link ray the musician from like the 50s and 60s and stuff like that just be uh what he brought to the music scene but yeah i mean yeah, l ray means the king well, they didn't mention the titty twister at all. I would have liked to have seen something about that. Because that was in Mexico. They're in Texas. All right, so something else loosely tied in with this movie. This is me reaching. Before the ship breaks down at the hospital, you're, you're kind of jumping around because this film has a lot of great subplots. It's got, it's kind of <laughs> like mainline story, right? But it's actually driven by a lot of great subplots. Zombie, you know, the gas has been released. The hospital's starting to kind of fall, but nothing's crazy, crazy is happening yet. People are just pouring in. They're still sick. They cut to uh, JT's bar barbecue house jeff Leahy, i loved <laughs> him as jt he's there by himself two zombies show up they're just kind of standing there at the gas pump and they kind of make their way to the door you know and everything the there was it was a male and a female mutant infected zombie i'll just call them zombies the dude looked just like the creeper from scooby-doo watch it again tell me i'm wrong change my mind he looked just like creeper creeper <laughs> that was him Brian, you go tell Tiffany to watch this movie because it has something to do with Scooby-Doo. She has to watch it. <laughs> and then I can be like, see, it's all tied together. Scooby-Doo's a gateway into this stuff. You got to wait quite a bit to get to that part, though. So you might lose her in the meantime. That's kind of like just towards the, the end of the first act. Things are really starting to gear up. Interesting how they weave all the stories together. 
towards the end, they all come together. You could watch this in like almost shorts with all, if you cut it, you know, with all the different characters, that would be an interesting watch. Like cut just the cherry and the El Rey parts and cut the barbecue parts and cut the military part, you know, watch them in shorts and then weave them all together. You know, on the El Rey network, I don't know if it was exclusive to El Rey. I think it was, but they did the Dust Till Dawn TV series, which I didn't watch. I think maybe I caught one episode. I think it ran for four or five seasons, maybe. I could see that. I could see you just taking the existing footage of this film and cutting it in, like you're saying, Brian, to 20 tenths of parts and show them as as a series. And there's so much. I've, I've seen this movie so many times, and here I'm going back and watching it for the whatever millionth time, and still I'm seeing things I didn't notice before, like this one right here. This is dumb. I don't know if you guys saw this. When you're in Earl's house, Earl is the sheriff. He is Dakota's father. His wife has cancer, and then he's taking care of her, and then she dies and comes back. And when I first saw that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I haven't seen the recently dead come back to life yet. It's all been people who've been bitten. Later on in the movie, it's described that most people are susceptible to this gas. And it's almost kind of like trioxin from Return of the Living Dead, where it kills you and reanimates you. But some people are naturally immune to it. So back to Earl's house, his wife comes back. He chops her up with an axe. They pan over as he's feeding her. And there's a picture of them and they're younger. It's like him and her when they're younger on a motorcycle. That image, they hover over that for a minute. Long enough where you're looking at it, looking at it, it's in focus, but you can't really tell what it is. Did you guys see that? I saw it for a second, but yeah. If anybody listening to this has any idea what the significance of that is, because it almost looked like it was a recreated scene from like a movie with like Marlon Brando or something. Like I saw it and I was like, oh, is that like Marlon Brando from the wild one? I don't know. Like I'm curious what that what that photo is. Somebody let me know because it all needs to make sense. Please help me. I'm glad we kind of bounce all over the place with this movie. I would like to hear somebody talk about this movie and just describe it from like start to finish. Oh, hold if on. you've never seen this, you're going to you're going to be like, what in the fuck are these people talking about? It's a hyper stylized, big budget blockbuster B movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That did not make its money back at the box office. Brian, give us a synopsis. Oh, shit. You just gave it to us in a pre-apocalyptic world. The military, biological arms dealer, a stripper, a sheriff, a barbecue man, and El Rey, the king, fight undead zombie-like creatures as the healthcare system implodes on itself. <laughs> it's not, not, not bad, not bad. It's not bad. Uh, the Internet Movie Database, bam, what's it for you? And they say, after an experimental bioweapon is released, turning thousands into zombie-like creatures, it's up to a ragtag group of survivors to stop the infected and those behind its release. I like mine better. <laughs> <laughs> how they killed bin Laden and how the chemical became... Isn't that how it started? They killed bin Laden. Then they got attacked by something. Yeah, towards towards the end of the movie, Bruce Willis says that him and his military unit um, accidentally came around upon bin Laden. He said it, he said they weren't supposed to be there. Bin Laden wasn't supposed to be there. He rounded the corner. He was there. And I loved all the dialogue. He's like, I put two in his heart, one in his computer, you know, shot him in the head. He said, but it wasn't supposed to go down that way. So instead of being rewarded with medals, they were blasted in the face with this chemical. And this chemical basically turns people unless you are a rare immune person into these like incredible melting man mutating resident evil type 
bioweapon monster zombies. And um, the only way to control that is to breathe in a little bit of that gas. The DC-10 is what they called it, to keep it in check. And if you don't have it shortly after, then you mutate like you said they this ragtag group starts to form of the police in town and his brother who's the barbecue guy um and cherry and el ray and some other people oh the psycho babysitter twins yeah the psycho babysitter (laughs) twins the josh brolin's wife who can't move her hands because you know he gave her some of that medication because she he found out she was cheating it was so flinchy when she got that caught in the door handle and broke her wrist So they're going to to get away from all of this stuff that's happening. They run into the military and we're going towards the end of the movie because there's a lot of filler in the middle of just stories and building and building and building. They meet up with this pack of zombies. They can't get through. Um, Bruce Willis and his military unit are there. They mow the zombies down and they're captured and they're taken to the this off site military base that's been abandoned and you come to find out that the one guy has an antidote or he's been working on an antidote there is an antidote but they're being held captive because it doesn't sound like bruce willis wants an antidote he wants the chaos and to punish the people that had wronged him that was the one and only part of the story i still haven't made any sense of and that is they talk about that they somebody wanted to release the gas into a small town, into a, a populace, as, and they were trying to create an antidote from that. It was all, basically, they're saying it was an experiment that that all happened. You're led to believe as the viewer that it was just a dispute over money and exchange, because again, the, the DC-10 was almost like an arms deal. But I didn't understand if it was Bruce Willis who wanted an antidote and was trying to create a control group to figure out what was going on, or if it was Abby the bioengineer. Somebody, they say, though, was doing this on purpose to create a control group and test their theory and and find a cure. Well, yeah, because at one point, Abby says, we are the antidote. We, you know, we have to stay alive and rebuild humanity. So, yeah, you're you're like, so is there a shot that's the antidote or is it that this group of people isn't affected by the chemicals? So they have to stay alive to rebuild humanity. But I think I think from that group of survivors who were immune, you could extract something. Maybe it's kind of like Vincent Price and Last Man on Earth, where his blood could be given to these people as an antidote. But of course, the only person who understands that is Abby, the bioengineer, who after they escape the military base, They're on their way to the helicopters and his face gets blown off. So the only guy who can save us is dead. Yeah, there's the line. Is there happen to be any other bioengineers around? There was a lot of great lines. Um, The one-liners, yeah. Yeah, the one-liners. And it starts early with like the machete trailer. That's probably my favorite line in the whole movie. I don't know if you guys have a favorite line, but I'm in the machete trailer. It says, they just fuck with the wrong Mexican. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. I liked when El Ray was going to kill the Bruce Willis character. You know, he was like, thank you for your service. He said something about that for like killing the whole Bin Laden thing and then kills him. Yeah, because El Ray realized that Bruce Willis and those army guys, maybe except the Quentin Tarantino character, he was a fucking psychopath. But um, he realized that they weren't bad dudes. It was just they shitty circumstances have them as they are, how they are. 
Abby had transitioned from a jar of balls to a bag of balls. <laughs> He's like, throws them to him. He's like, what's this? It's your men's balls. Except for a Quentin Tarantino because his dripped off of his body. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it melted off of his body. <laughs> I was like, ugh. He says, I'm going to go get my dick wet. Dude, the gas. I don't need any gas. I'll just, I'll make it quick. I was like, yeah. oh, this is so <laughs> bad. <laughs> so bad. One little thing I want to jump back to. Just it's, it's stupid and it's quick, but El Rey, Freddy Rodriguez. It was El Rey's record service and kind of, I think it was right before they're at the um, barbecue place and it was right before the, you know, all the zombies attack there. But the sheriff looked at El Rey and he says, El Rey's wrecker. Are you a wrecker, El Rey? And the first thing that popped in my head when I heard, are you a wrecker? Was, I just want to get the fuck away from demoniacs. <laughs> it keeps popping up over and over. Go back and listen to our demoniacs episode. You'll understand what I'm talking about. And you had said that the sheriff wasn't a fan of El Rey. Because at one point early, he said, I put my neck out for you. So I feel like he was trying to do something like watch out for El Rey, but he didn't trust him. He was suspicious of him. That was probably the only subplot in the whole movie that never really came. It's still kind of a mystery what the hell was going on there, but... Do you have a favorite subplot? You guys have a favorite subplot if you had to pick one? I know what mine is. What is it? Mine's uh, the barbecue. How the brothers are... He's trying to get the barbecue recipe from him the whole fucking movie. (laughs) And so towards the end of the movie, you know, they're trying to escape... And the brothers, the sheriff is not going to live. The brother's been shot. And so he's like, you got to give me the barbecue recipe. That's my dying wish. He's telling him the barbecue recipe. And he takes out a little piece of paper and a pencil out of his T-shirt. And he's writing it down. And then the sheriff passes. He's like, you got to take this to the grave. And he's like, I don't think that'll be a problem. The sheriff passes away. And then the brother starts laughing. So I'm like, did he lie to him about what the barbecue recipe was? Oh, I didn't even think about that. That. <laughs> I was like, did he just did he just fucking his brother's dying and he doesn't even tell him the right recipe? You know, not that it matters, but you know, then he pushes the thing and stuff starts to explode. And <laughs> that's an interesting take. And I just thought he was laughing, like you know, you're at your end, you know, you're gonna die. It's time for me to blow these motherfuckers up. But I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Boots Boots said to me, she says, I wish they would release the barbecue recipe. She was like, I wish. Boots is like, well, I want to know what the what the because she likes to cook and bake, and she's like, I want to know what the recipe is. I'm like, well, I found out. We found out you got to put a little blood in it. That was the secret because once he bled in it, he's like, that's all I needed was a little more salt. I just needed some blood. <laughs> that whole barbecue thing was great. His whole world was about barbecue. Like when he first saw the two zombies coming at him, he's like, oh, they're always trying to get my recipe. You guys aren't going to get it. <laughs> like he's all yelling <laughs> at him, and then totally oblivious to. When he dies the first time, or when you think he dies the first time, and he's got like barbecue on him, and then they start, they pick it up and start eating it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of gross. It made it look like it was his guts. I don't think I had a favorite subplot. I, I honestly loved all of them. They were all, I know it's a kind of a cop out answer, but seriously, they were all very well executed, very well acted, very well written. You know, towards the end, once, once Cherry Darling gets the, machine gun put on her leg obviously that's over the top and that was probably the only part of the movie where everything i thought was a little over the top but when she like shoots the cannon off of her leg that blows her into the air and she's coming down to shoot at the zombies boots looks at me and says and i quote that was wildly impractical (laughs) (laughs) all boots (laughs) and i just looked at her and i went god damn you're right it was wildly impractical wasn't it (laughs) Okay, my favorite part of the movie was uh, it's 
probably one that people don't like, but when the female doctor gives the gun to her son and she was like, uh, what if I see daddy? Well, if, especially if you see daddy, shoot him. Just be careful. You don't shoot yourself in the face or whatever. And she walks away and like two seconds later, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. It, it was a sad part, but it was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> And that was one of those throughouts, too, because they were always telling, didn't I tell you not to do that? I told you not to do that. (laughs) Yeah, usually child deaths get me, you know, during movies. But this one was just like, yeah, dumb kid. You also put a turtle, a tarantula, a scorpion. I feel like there was another animal all in in this little ass cage. It was just those three. (laughs) And they'll get along just fine. (laughs) Yeah, they will. (laughs) <laughs> the, at post credit at the very after all the credits there's a scene of him on the beach with those three animals roaming around and it's kind of like washed out i just i thought i took it as it was just they were in heaven the cast is escaping the military base they're blowing up the zombies they're heading to the helicopters the bioengineer gets shot his head gets split wide open they get onto the helicopter they escape. One of the coolest helicopter death scenes I've ever seen. They get in the helicopter. There's still a horde of mutated army zombies coming at them, and they stay low to the ground, and they kind of nose down and chop them all up with the with the helicopter blades. This had nothing to do with Dawn of the Dead. But when I see that, I think of Jim Crud, the helicopter zombie from Dawn of the Dead, who gets scalped in the original 1978 <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. I love everything making sense and doing segues and tie-ins. So... Spoiler alert, we have secured an interview with Jim Crutt, and here in the next few episodes of the I Like a Spooky Horror podcast, you will be able to listen to a fantastic interview with the helicopter zombie, Jim Crutt. That'll be exciting. Zombies and helicopters, what more do you need? (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I watched that back, and I was like, man, did they really do that? Like, I was dumb enough to think, like, did he really put his head that close to a live helicopter? Because I was thinking, you know, back in the 70s or whatever, I'm like, maybe they did it real <laughs> thinking if anybody listening goes back and listens to the dawn of the dead episode you two before i came on the show covered dawn of the dead and i remember listening to that episode and you guys discussed that you were like how did he do that did he get on it because jim's a tall guy did he get on a crate did they measure it out perfectly and <laughs> and so when i met jim for the first time last year at Living Dead Weekend at the Monroeville Mall. That was the first thing. I said, hey, I said, my, co- my co-hosts are going to be here in a little bit. You'll probably meet them. I was like, but they were just just talking about this. How did that happen? And he said that uh, Romero, they added the blade in afterwards. You know, this, it was superimposed. So if I ask anything to Rose McGowan, I want to know if she still has that jacket. Was she allowed to keep? That would be a dope-ass prop to have. It was a cool jacket, though. I want to know if she still has that table leg. <laughs> no, it, it's it, she gave it to Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Not all of it. <laughs> uh, enough. If So if you go to the Internet Movie Database page for this movie, there is pages and pages and pages of trivia and fun facts. I, don't worry. I didn't do my usual where I wrote them all down. But one, one that sticks out to me, you're talking about Rose McGowan, is apparently she's a germaphobe. This is what I read on the Internet Movie Database, which I thought was interesting because this movie is so dirty and grimy. And not just because of the film grain and everything. Just, you know, the, the sets made me, it harkened me back to when I ran my haunted house and we were just in this dirty old barn and you just covered yourself in dirt. And it was just, uh, you know, you want to shower afterwards. But they were saying that uh, the, the go-go dancer pull scenes in the beginning, she had to continually have it 
disinfected and sprayed down because she's a germaphobe. I thought it was interesting. But there's scenes of her like licking her own face in the mirror. You know, it's weird. Actually, I did look up some trivia because I was like, oh, there's got to be some trivia on this movie. And that'd be fun to kind of incorporate into the towards the end of the movie. So, uh, yes, Rose McGowan is a germaphobe. She even though she licked her own face or her own tongue, she like. So they all escape. Well, not they all because, you know, Abby got his you know, head split in half, but they go to Mexico. They do what El Rey says. They put their backs to the ocean and they start a new civilization there in Mexico. And they have to worry about, in Clint's universe, they have to worry about biochemical zombies and vampires. It all goes back to Richard Matheson, zombies and vampires. I keep fucking telling you guys. You come to find out that El Rey does not miss and that Rose has a baby and it's her and the baby against the world. Two against the world is what El Rey said. Happy ending. Actually, because that was probably one of the driving forces of the story, too. And it's all about Cherry Darling and how she had no purpose, no focus. If you think about it, it's almost like and she was a lead character. You know, was this Robert Rodriguez, him writing this about someone he knew or a point in his life where he just had no purpose and as he wrote this it evolved into this character in the story one thing that's cool though is she got that uh gatlin gun leg upgrade <laughs> because the the infected zombies are still wandering around they come across one shortly or not far from their home she just whips out this gatlin gun and blows him to shit i want to know how she fires it like what's kegel <laughs> I was going to say strong thighs, but you took it a step up. Get okay, it? Step man, up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We explain all of our jokes on our Patreon sites. Please subscribe to. <laughs> if you don't get the Kegel joke, then yeah, you're probably playing Dungeons and Dragons, not watching Planet Terror. <laughs> there goes those people. They're not listening uh, anymore. Not to mention we've alienated the Mexicans, you know, our Mexican demographic. Like we made fun of the gardener in our last episode of Grave Encounters. And now this one, Jason doesn't know what El Rey means. Uh, we're done for. <laughs> I did look up a couple um, trivia things for the movie. The original title for the movie, Planet Terror, was Project Terror, which they say, yeah, some point during, you know, towards the end. While on set, Robert Rodriguez would play the soundtracks for Escape from New York and The Thing to set the mood for the movie. And Kurt Russell's in both of those movies. Those were interesting. There was a lot. There was like a hundred things, but I was like, those are two pretty interesting things. He thanked John Carpenter in the credits, too. So what do you think? What do you think about a rating, Jason? The future of your existence on this show depends on what you say here. It all hangs in the balance. I don't think I've ever given anything a 10 out of 10, though, have I? Like Clint just fired off and... I've only given two. This one at Night of the Demons. I don't think you have either. Yeah, not even Halloween, I don't think. This is pretty dang close. This this movie's fun. The whole grindhouse, so you know what you're getting into going into it. You're not going to watch the most beautiful cinematic artwork ever. I'm going to give this a very strong 8 out of 10, which I think that's still fantastic. It, w- it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. You're fired. I know. <laughs> it's, oh, it's been nice knowing y'all. 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 melting penises off of infected rapists going deep there and not as deep as some people but you know what about you brian i really enjoyed this one i it's something i'd watch again it's something that would be a blast in a group of friends like you said clint you could watch this over and over and over again and you would notice something different every time and maybe you'd pay more attention to the barbecue or the josh brolin character and his wife or the babysitter twins or you know just different things throughout 
I found some comedy in it, so that's always enjoyable when you find comedy that's maybe not supposed to be there, but then you laugh, like when some kid blows her head off. I gave it a 9 out of 10 best damn barbecues in Texas. I want some barbecue. Mm, I know. Now I'm hungry. You're fired. I want to go to the Texas Chainsaw House. You're fired, too. That's like a barbecue place. It's not going to be a show left next week. Yeah, 9 out of 10 is not good. In case you guys did not know, this is a hyper-stylized budget blockbuster <laughs> B-movie. I haven't, I haven't been joking. This movie is a 10 out of 10 for me. It's got an intriguing story full of evolving subplots, the coloring, the grain textures, the glitches, the freeze frames, the sound, the synth music. It's an excellent blend of practical and CGI effects. It's a throwback, but yet it's um, almost like a, a new way to view grindhouse movies it's a love letter it does everything it's supposed to do i just i have nothing bad to say about this movie uh so 10 out of 10 i give it 10 out of 10 lovely lady lumps because fergie's in it and uh <laughs> fergie was super hot even after her brains were scooped out she still had her lovely lady lumps so 10 out of 10 yeah it's a it's definitely one of those movies that it puts you in a good place. Like after you watch it, you're like, God, I feel happy about watching this movie. Because the next movie was after this, for me, was House of a Thousand Corpses popped on. And I'm not a fan of that movie, but I was like in a good mood. So I watched it and I was like, now I enjoy this. Like, okay, House of a Thousand Corpses wasn't as bad as I thought it was originally. And I was like, that's a fun double feature. You know, they both kind of have that old throwback grindhouse feel. I was like, this is a perfect, put this on, watch this. This, and then maybe give something else a second chance because you'll be in a better mindset going into a movie after watching this. Yeah, I think Planet Terror is a pretty good segue in the House of a Thousand Corpses. You know how Cherry Darling throughout Planet Terror is talking about her useless, useless talents? My useless talent number 31 is segueing. And so I think I'm going to utilize that right now and segue to our podcast network, the PFPN. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening So now that we've heard from our podcast networks, time for This Day in Horror History. I also heard from your throat as your liquid went down it. (laughs) Did it it have any good history? (laughs) It might later. (laughs) (laughs) A date which will live in infamy. So this episode comes out August 6th. The Spooky Boys will be at Flashback. But on August 7th in 1981, we got a double feature of Heavy Metal and Student Bodies. Listen, I'm going to kill next at the football game. Click. Did you hang up? 
No, I just said click. Have you seen Student Bodies, Clint? Yeah, it's been forever. So I don't remember enough of it, but I've seen it. I love Student Bodies. Oh, man. So good. And that was the thing. If I would have seen it just watching it by myself, I might not have liked it. But I experienced it. Brian and I, we watched it several times. I don't know how we got turned on to it. Maybe Brian liked it before. Maybe it was just on TV one time. It was a fucking riot. Now I want to watch it. I'll go play my soundtrack after this. So then we got August 11th. We had uh, in 1960, Black Sunday. 1962, King Kong vs. Godzilla. 1981, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Can't remember. Is that one of the good ones? It wasn't bad. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. Three is the best, but... And then in uh, 1947, director Stuart Gordon, whose films include Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak, and Dragon, just to name a few, is born. Damn Reanimator coming up again, Clint. I really need to watch Beyond Reanimator. You know, it all goes back to Richard Matheson, and it also <laughs> goes back to H.P. Lovecraft. Just those two people. Pretty much. All of horror history. I just say those names every episode, and it'd be really short now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, August 12th, 1960. 77, we got Suspiria. 1983, we got Cujo. And then probably one of my favorites from this list, I Saw the Devil in 2010. You guys seen that one? No, I've never even heard of it. It's a foreign language one. So yeah, I it's a foreign it. language film. It's uh, it's about this police officer, a detective maybe, and he's looking for this serial killer. And then he finds him, and instead of arresting him, he tortures him and allows him to go. And then the serial killer will go on and kill somebody else. And the cop will catch him and torture him again until the serial killer finally makes it to the police officer's family. So, and he tortures him like, you're like, ugh, that's really gross, really bad torture. You know, he doesn't like waterboard him. (laughs) He like mutilates him. So it's this fight between good and evil and this police officer wanting to get revenge and torture this person. But in the end, he should have arrested him and he wouldn't have lost one of his family members and then uh august 16th oh i spoke too soon 1985 return of living dead so that's my favorite one off the list 10 out of 10 (laughs) this this show is full of 10 out of 10s yeah that's my favorite (laughs) yeah It, it goes between that and my bloody valentine are my two favorites like so that's what i got from horror history for this episode it's kind of starting to slow down as you look forward in the next couple weeks you're like oh releases are starting to dry up people are still going to be born and whatnot but yeah the releases are starting to be like woodshiver massacre (laughs) santa claus versus martians stuff like that i came across so this is our 51st episode if you don't count spill the guts since this is our 51st feature length episode i haven't been a part of all of them but i came across speaking of horror history a film that i want to cover on our 60th episode which will be coming up later this year i think it'll be the uh, first or second week of december is when our 60th episode will be and it will be a history piece do i have to read is that foreign? No. Nope. You just have to sit back, kick your feet up, and say, thank you, Clint, for suggesting this movie. That's all you have to do. You don't even have to say it because I know you're thinking it. You will be thinking it. So what are you guys up to? What? Nothing. What? Anything? The fuck, the fuck is going on? What? I don't know. What's going on? anything jason i feel like i should just record something and we'll just play it every time it's my turn to talk (laughs) flashback i've never mentioned that before on the show that's coming up that's never ever 
So by the time you're hearing this, we should be there. We should be having fun. We will be having fun. We'll all be cuddling together in a room. It's going to be a blast. That's why I got the room with the patio so I can stay out in the patio. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, my wife and my daughter's birthday later this month. So I'll be doing that. That's about it. Collecting Halloween shit. Collecting stuff. Buying more shit that I shouldn't. Getting my wife pissed at me. That's it. What do you guys got going on? I also have flashback. You're going to be there? So that'll be a big weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be there. It's yeah. going to be fun. I'll be there. We got the Valentine Bluffs guys coming, and I think Josh Perlmutter will be there, and our friend Matt Harding from Severn Films will be there on Saturday. Dang. Or Sunday, I think he said he'd be there. So it's going to be like a family reunion. One of the things I'm excited for is to see Brent Edgett's Oh, yeah. Gorier, bloodier rendition of Art the Clown. If you see a group of mostly bearded guys going into a restaurant together, you might want to find a different place to eat because we're going to have a big table of people. Yeah, you might have to wait a while to get your meal. We should all order barbecue. Oh, man. I wonder <laughs> if they got any good barbecue places around there. Last time, we didn't even leave the damn hotel. We just ordered in, didn't we? It was an expensive-ass weekend. <laughs> of course, Chicago, but, you know, it's... But, uh, sounds like we're still working on getting the dates ironed out. Sounds like Saturday for a mutant family meetup at some point during the night with uh, Joe, Bob, and Darcy and Sven Gulli all going to be at the show. I know I'll be Friday night. I'll be hanging out in the whatever they call that room, the panel room, checking that out. And Saturday for Alan Howard's concert. I'm uber excited. What was that, Clint? You were about to... I was going to say, you know, we've talked all, all about this uh, SAG strike stuff and about how there probably isn't going to be panels or they're going to be scaled back. So I was going to say, is is the Joe Bob panel still going on? You haven't heard any different, so... No, no. The way I understood it is he can do his stuff and she can Darcy can do her stuff because they write their own show so they can kind of they fall outside of that writing and stuff for their show because they write it that's the way I understood it but yeah I haven't heard any different and it sounds like the concert's still going on because he's maybe a composer he's not an actor or a Mm -hmm. writer yeah I'm hoping but yeah, I haven't seen them post anything that any of the panels have gotten canceled. They usually haven't even put the schedule out yet, though, so... be interesting to see. And they're still announcing guests and photo ops and stuff, so they're taking it right up to the end. I need to set several alarms that weekend because I've done that so many times where I'm like, I got to be here at this time. And then I'm like, I got to be there at five. And then I'm like, oh, shit, it's 520. Because <laughs> like, I'm doing stuff, running around the floor, helping Clint get autographs while Brian sells shirts. And It's so easy to just get lost in conversation, do you, to start chatting with somebody. and So come up, say hello to us if you hear this. The Ink Mirrors table where all of our studly selves will be. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> Or don't come say hello to us. We will come to you regardless. You are going to be accosted at some point. What do I have going on? Same as you guys. I think I said the last episode, I was like, I feel so bad for our audience. All we've been talking about the last like 97 episodes is flashback and Motor City Nightmares. Um, So they're finally here. So probably a couple episodes after this, we'll be done talking about our good time there. And you can, you know, we don't have to hear about it anymore. I've said it a million times before, but some people may be like, how can you talk about this or that convention more than others? They're all great shows, but there's only a handful throughout the year that the three of us get to hang out 
together in person at. So we get excited about it. And that's why we tend to focus more conversation on those. Because there's still, I've still got a bunch of great events I'll be going to throughout the rest of the year. Um, and I'm looking forward to those too. One of those, I'll talk a little bit more about it on the next episode because it'll be happening after that. The weekend of August 18th, 19th, and 20th, I'm going to be heading down to Horror Hound in Indianapolis. I did not book a table. I had an opportunity to. By the time that opportunity came, I already had booked my shows for the year. A little leery about the economy. It was before the SAG strike hit. So I probably really would have been freaking out. And it's the first time a horror hound's coming back to Indy in quite a few years. And my gut just told me, don't take the chance in this one. Wait till next year. Which is kind of stupid because horror hound's one of those bigger shows. If you don't get into, like, like if you have a spot and then you don't renew your spot, then you can't get back in. So I should have taken the opportunity. But I'll be heading down there anyway to hang out with the Valentine Bluffs guys. They're going to have a table set up there, pushing the movie, you know, selling some merchandise, hanging out and talking with people. I'm going to go down there and hang out a day or two with them and do some fun cool stuff down there other than that i mean personal life stuff uh hopefully i'm not on or freshly off the picket line of my day job and being able to afford to buy my kids school clothes because it's going to be about back to school time already so on the next episode of the i like it spooky horror podcast we'll talk flashback we'll talk motor city nightmares and then later after that I need a report from you, Clint, because Horror Hound Indianapolis might be added to my list of conventions to visit next year. Well, of course, I'm going there, so why the fuck wouldn't you just show up and crash the party? It's close, though. I mean, it's, what, three and a half hours for me? And if it's like Cincinnati, it'll be well worth the trip. I mean, it'd be one of those that I add to the list. I actually look to see if my wife works <laughs> this coming up <laughs> one. I'm like, huh, I bet I could talk her into going down to Indy for another weekend. And I would only do the show, like, you know, one day, but... I I was going to go Friday evening and like stay the night and then hang out all day Saturday and then come home Saturday. I know I was going to do that Saturday and Sunday, but we're recording with Jim Crutt that Sunday. So I think I'm going to do Friday and Saturday, come home Saturday night. So yeah, I'll be there Saturday for sure. One way or another, I'll be there. So, oh, you know who else will be there? L. Ray. Oh yeah. Freddie Rodriguez is going to be there. And Cherry Darling. That's right. I didn't think about that. So it all, it all fits. Wow. And this was all about flashback, how our universe grows. Ooh, Booker T. Oh, what? The five time. Five time. I already have his autograph. I met him at a baseball game in the Quad Cities. Super nice guy, though. When they first started announcing guests for Horror Hound and Indy, I was actually kind of turned off a little bit because when they first started, it looked more like a pop con as far as a horror fest. But as they've gone on, the guests have gotten cooler and cooler. And I'm like, oh, wow. It looks like Nev Campbell canceled. But they do have Robert England, Skeet Allrich, Rose McGowan. Yeah, it looks cool. Nobody I would really care to meet, I don't think. I like Indy anyway. I'll get back down to Kokomo Toys, make that big trip down there, and then not buy shit. <laughs> I didn't buy anything last time because I was like, oh, it was the first stop on our trip. And I was like, I didn't want to drop a bunch of money. And then <laughs> I ended up spending a lot at the end of the trip. That sounds like your MO. <laughs> hey, so... I'm going to I'm going to bring it back to something serious here. Brian's Brian's got something he wants to talk about here in just a second, which uh, is very important. I'm going to say something, too. So a little announcement. Jason, this is going to be his last episode recording with us. Jason has decided to focus on some other things that he's got going on in life. And uh, we wish him the best of luck. I kind of feel weird as a send off because, I mean, you're the OG. I showed up afterwards. You know what I mean? This is a joke, but it's the truth. So this is not to downplay your contribution to this show because 
because you contribute a lot to this show. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about AI lately. I need your permission for us to be able to utilize that boisterous laugh you have even when you're not here. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yeah, send me a message. I'll do some quick takes, you know. I'll send you a laugh to put wherever. Or you could cut them out, like anything more natural. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> no, I'm half-assed joking around because, again, I mean, you, you, your contribution to this show is, I mean, it can't be measured. Um, yeah, I am going to miss that that laugh. It kind of carries me through some of this stuff. So best of luck to you and your future stuff. And I'm also glad that, again, this is all pretty amicable. Amicable. Blah, blah, blah. If anybody looking from the out or listening from the outside in thinks otherwise, I'm still going to at his house. Uh, we're still going to conventions together, just not going to be hearing his soothing radio voice. Yeah, it's kind of sad to think about, but you know, it's been fun, but I just feel, you know, it's time. Get away. I loved everything I've done with you guys, and I mean, I'm going to continue to do it. You know, I kind of put out there, I was like, hey, friendships are not changing at all. Just, you know, not going to be around every couple weeks to record something, but you know, I'm, I'm still here, still a call away. I'm still a text away. I'll probably ignore a lot of them still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't anticipate communication to really improve, you know, at all, but yeah. I know that the communication is still there. Yeah. If you need me, call me. <laughs> but I will respond to messages like, you know, if it's important. Not that, you know, a lot of the messages aren't important, but <laughs> no, but it's been fun. So if we cover Halloween 6, the best one. Oh, man. If we cover Halloween 6, the best one. That should have been the send-off show right there. Yeah. Call Jason back. I won't rule out like coming back. Like Brian made a com- like made a post or said something about coming on and doing guest things. And I was kind of like newt. I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm done, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm so, we're like, we're like horror hound here. Once you leave, you can't come back. I'm sorry. Just- <laughs> no, no, that's, that's perfectly fine too. And, you know, I kind of even <laughs> talked to my wife about it and I was like, I should just like take a break or I should just do this, do that. And I'm like, no, no, just a clean cut. And it's just, you know, you guys do your thing. And like I said, you guys are the driving force. I don't know if you guys know, but Brian and Clint are the show. They are the social media. They are the people you talk to online. They do 98% of the work. And I'm just here every couple of weeks. And, you know, God bless them. They've they've grown this together. So they will continue to grow it. You guys will do awesome. It, it, I mean, it's going to suck a little because, you know, the best part's leaving. But the, <laughs> the, the hardworking yeah. part is still here. You know, I'm just... I'm I'm here for like some comic relief and <laughs> sometimes levity, sometimes nonsense. Yeah, it's been fun. So thanks for having me. Almost, almost two years I made it, but what, 50 some episodes? Yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. 50. Yeah. This is yeah. the 51st episode. And I think I missed like two. So shit, I was 49. Oh, <laughs> I will have to come back for one more someday. <laughs> we'll get you back on and we we will do Halloween six. It's so it is written, so it shall be. There we go. There it is. You guys are in good hands though, so I mean the listeners, because you guys will still put out this awesome content. I was gonna say I'm in my own hands. What are you talking about? It kind of <laughs> yeah. sounds like a typical Friday night, but you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still gonna buy shit. I'll still share it with you guys and still tell us where to buy it after the fact. Like, hey, these people had a sale. There was a record sale. I bought a bunch of stuff. It's over now. (laughs) 
Like Clint, you know how it is. Brian, I'm sure he still calls you a lot. Brian calls me a lot. I call Brian, but I've known Brian for so long. But And I, I always feel awkward like if I have to call Clint because I never know what you're in the middle of. So worried about bothering somebody like because I don't want to call somebody and have them be asleep or have them doing this or whatever. I don't know. It's just something in my head. So definitely if you ever need anything, Clint, just reach out. Call me. I'll be around. I'm pretty easy to figure. I'm always in the middle of something unless I'm sleeping. So then he's in the middle of sleeping. Uh, you're the busiest fucking person. You just go, go, go. Uh, it's it, it's exhausting just being around you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, well, you were talking about flashback. I'm thinking about all the shit that you guys are talking about doing. I'm sitting here thinking I need a fucking nap <laughs> like, like midday. I'm going to have to look at the schedule and be like, OK, shit, I got an hour right now. I'm going to go up and sleep now because fucking the mutant meetup, the all that, which I'm not I'm not promising nothing. <laughs> like I'll probably be too tired and but yeah anyway it's been real it's been fun thank you guys i love you guys i will always love you guys homo intended so (laughs) (laughs) notice how he didn't specify which homo he just said homo intended that's it that's it we we got we got two beds but we will only use one at flashback hey i cuddled up to you i cuddled up to you at the rocky Horror picture show and halloween of blues and i was quite comfortable my friend heck yeah i'm soft i'm here for you soft and warm (laughs) so on some more uh somber on a more somber note brian you got something you want to share with us also yes brian is leaving the show also you guys are stuck with me and only me from now on no i'm sorry go ahead so in uh march of this year uh, the podcast friend a friend of mine uh andy watson was diagnosed with als and this last week he lost his battle at 43 um andy was a uh, one of those people i'd have, i'd only met andy once in real life but i talked to andy online instagram and facebook and we shared this love of professional wrestling and bad horror movies and fun 80s action movies and i was lucky enough the day before he passed to join my friends uh tad mike and jay and do an hour and a half long Skype call with Andy um, and laugh and cry and say our goodbyes. Andy was one of those people that you didn't have to meet him more than once. You know, you could listen to him on a Attack of the Killer podcast and all his um, Bullwinkle Moose and Don Knotts and all his great impressions. And uh, he was giving, I mean, I have a couple things that he sent from a little town in Nebraska where he lived that didn't even have a mailbox. You know, you got to send stuff to the post office box. Just formed a friendship. He's one of those people that have touched my life, and I told him that I wouldn't let his memory die. And it sounds like there's some stuff in the works to keep his memory alive. You know, maybe some some awards and stuff at local festivals that I travel to. So yeah, he'll be missed. You know what, what's crazy about that is um, we all know that we're going to die. You know what I mean? It's inevitable. It's part of life. When someone as young as him does pass, it's a tragedy. I'm not going to pretend I knew him. I think we interacted maybe once on social media. We had mutual friends. It's amazing to me the support that he has. You know, everybody's showing him. And I was really taken aback at how quickly things went you know this guy is young and and healthy and athletic you know he got ill and then a very short time he passed away so it truly is 
a tragedy, but it just goes to show you that things change, things in life change, people pass away, friends come in and out of your lives. Um, spend all of the, the moments you can together with the, the people that you cherish and make special memories. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we talk about a lot when we talk about conventions. We've, even us three, have formed this little family at Flashback, you know, of these people that we see at conventions. And maybe we only see them, you know, once or twice a year, but it's a little family that you gather. And that's one of the probably the most important things about this show and this horror community in general. I think we all just love to share our passion for this genre and build community and network with each other. And at the end of the day, sponsorships are important and listeners are important and fans are important. Content's important, but at the end, the family you built through, it's the most important thing. Yeah, well said. Now, the only hard part of this is how the fuck do you end this show right now? Well, thank you. Thank everybody for listening. You know, don't forget to check out the I Like a Spooky Horror podcast on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Threads. Hell, I don't even know. We have a link tree that doesn't even fit on the fucking f- page. So if you check that, you can scroll down. You can see all the places you can find all the free content that the I Like a Spooky Horror Podcast provides to our listeners and our friends and our fans. Listen for your horror news coming up every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with Spill the Guts. And don't forget to check out the appendages episodes for your crack on Redbox free streaming movies. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was it? I thought I'd be like, and this is Jason signing (laughs) off. (laughs) From the I Like It Spooky Studios, Jason out. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?